gentlemen, welcome to the Drake Show. Tonight's special episode is going to be filled with thrills and chills and my own personal favorite, lots and lots of that red shit that's flowed inside all our bodies. Cheer you, fucker! Welcome to Now Playing's review of Hobo with a Shotgun. A shotgun? This town is impressed by a homeless man with a fucking shotgun? Hosted by Arnie. I provide you with nothing but the highest quality adrenaline-filled family entertainment! Stuart. The way I see it, I'm a fucking miracle worker. And Jacob. Jesus, God, boys, whatever will happen to delicacy and finesse? This podcast contains detailed plot spoilers and harsh language. Shut your filthy mouth! Listener discretion is advised. I want everybody here to appreciate this. Time to get the show on the road, boyo! Today we're discussing Hobo with a Shotgun, starring Rucker Hauer, Molly Dunsworth, Brian Downey, Gregory Smith, directed by Jason Eisner. This is the now playing co-host who loves the smell of your asshole, Arnie. Stewart in LA. And this is the host who will someday be finger banged by Mother Teresa in hell, Jacob. <laughs> and I'll be there to video it. <laughs> Hobo with a Shotgun. I'm the newbie. Somebody fill me in. I didn't see this trailer when we reviewed Grindhouse. Neither did I. And I was at the movie theater opening weekend. Where did this get tied to Tarantino and Rodriguez? You weren't in Canada, apparently, where this was featured. Yes. I do know you talked about Tarantino's Grindhouse Film Festival, where he's showing all kinds of Grindhouse films. Apparently, he had a contest to make a trailer, and the winner would, I guess, be showing with... Grindhouse? I guess it was country-specific. It was international, yeah. It was after... I think it was even after it had failed in the U.S. They wanted to... They only had a couple weeks for it to succeed, so... Yeah. In the few countries where they were taking the Grindhouse experience, I think it was Canada and England and maybe a couple others. For the most part, they, they aired as two different movies. But yeah, they had some kind of get people excited by making them feel like they could be a part of it. And so, yeah, it's a homemade trailer. It's fan fiction, right? I mean, this is this is kind of illegit. But I will say this. Maybe not when you watch the actual trailer, but the concept is definitely Grindhouse. And I actually have seen this movie before. I went to a movie theater and sat and watched it, not knowing any connection to Tarantino <laughs> or Rodriguez or Grindhouse or anything. I just thought it was a funny title. Redger Hauer. I hadn't seen them in a while. And I don't know. I had $10 burning in my pocket and I wanted to blow it. I don't even think this came to my town, honestly. I heard about it only when it was on video. People on Facebook were talking about it. I'm like, well, I know what that movie is. For a long time, I was getting it confused with rubber. But <laughs> Yeah, I think they came out around the same time. I remember watching them both around the same time. I saw them at the same theater. I saw this because of you, Stuart. I remember you talking about it, and I'm like, oh, I'll have to check that out. So once it became available for home viewing, I checked it out, and I, well... 
I bought it, so that that's going to tell you something, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I definitely get it. Uh, but the trailer, I, I will say this. There's no Rutger Hauer in it. They have no. a lot less money when they made that trailer. It definitely feels like it was made on the cheap. Was this like a Project Greenlight type thing where everybody made trailers and Tarantino and Rodriguez or whoever picked the trailer and then would fund the movie guaranteed? Or was it they had a contest for trailers and somehow it just got picked up after the fact? Yeah, no, 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 no. The prize is you get to have your two-minute trailer in Grindhouse. It is not we will pay for it then to be made into a feature. Uh, That movie came out in 2007. Kobo with a shotgun didn't find his financing and get made till 2010, 2011. Yeah, that trailer's different starring David Brunt. I don't even know if that's our actor. Oh, well, it's a hobo. He does have a shotgun. They went the method route. This is an interesting character. They used a real hobo? Hobo is maybe an unkind word. This is difficult (laughs) to classify. I don't really know the relationship that the filmmakers had with David Brunt. They have him on the commentary. He is actually in this feature in a smaller, minimized role. He is homeless, And he did appear to hang out with them, and I think they kind of built the concept around him. He is a unique individual. Some of the monologues he would have about bears became things said (laughs) in this movie. No one wants to say on any of the commentaries, yeah, this guy is crazy or homeless or, or what have you. But in little details, it would come out that, yeah, he had been hit by a drunk driver at a young age and had, you know, a walking impairment and was just kind of... I think he's struggled throughout his life. He's about 50 years old now, and he was on hard times, and they just thought he was an interesting character to build a movie or at least a movie trailer around. But I don't think that he would have necessarily been the person you anchor a feature film around. No, unfortunately, that sounds a little bit like it is actual exploitation, if, unless they paid him for his stories about bears. What I read on Wiki is they offered him the role. Well, yes. And that he turned it down, saying he didn't feel up to carrying the whole film, but he's in here. Yeah, he has one shot as a cop. I'm not sure if I believe that. I My sense is that the financers asked them to get a star, and they went through a list of people who could work for this, but uh, they were fans of The Hitcher. You know, I always think of Rutger Hauer, Blade Runner. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, that's my go-to is that killer android, Replicant, but for them, it was The Hitcher. They put it out to his people. Rutger Hauer claims he didn't know anything about exploitation films and had a lot of questions. He did a couple of Skype interviews and then decided... He, quote, is proud that anyone can reach him at any time, <laughs> which I would interpret it meaning you can get Rutger Hauer really cheap these days. <laughs> yeah, I looked at his IMDb and some people have reached him. <laughs> but he was agreeable to the director and going to this project and played along and was on the commentary track and appears to have a, a really good time with the project. Is not embarrassed by it at all. It considers it an important part of his resume. That's interesting. And yeah, it does seem a little bit off to me that, oh, I'm going to take my friend who did this trailer and use him. Oh, no. Okay, Rucker Hauer then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Again, I don't feel like anyone wants to say a full truth about their good friend David Brunt because he's there and a part of it. And I think they genuinely like him. But I do get the sense that there was a difficulty 
communicating, directing kind of thing going on there. And I'm not sure that he would have worked as a lead just because he has his own way of looking at things. And I think it would, I, I think it would have just been hard for everybody to try and make what they had on the trailer, the feature film. But there is a lot of the same scenes in that trailer, much like Machete, the trailer transferred into the feature, everything for the most part that you see in the trailer does end up being a, a scene in the movie. I thought there were far more differences between the trailer and the movie here than there were with, say, the first Machete. I mean, there was... Yeah, well, all the lines are the same. I'll put it that way. Obviously different actors, sometimes in different settings. There was a scene with teeth being pulled I don't remember seeing in the feature, but there was a script, and I think that they made their trailer from the script and that they've been hoping to get this financed for several years. And eventually, yes, I think because it was connected to the Tarantino thing, flop though that may be, that meant that they could get the, I think it was about $3 million to produce this movie in Nova Scotia, and so they did. Which, to say this is not an American studio that went to Canada, they're Canadian. I mean, if (laughs) you can't tell from, especially Abby's accent in this film, yeah, they're all Canadian. This is a Canadian production. Yep, premiered at Sundance 2011, came out in theaters this summer, probably quickly rushed to DVD, and we're here talking about it today. Arnie, why don't you give him a plot? We'll get into Hobo with a Shotgun. Rucker Hauer plays an unnamed hobo traveling by train to the ironically named Hope Town. There he hopes to build a life becoming a lawnmower man, and to raise the money he needs, he begs on the street. But he stopped at the most despicable town in the country. From guys offering him $10 to participate in bum fights, to a group of thugs nearly raping a prostitute, the hobo sees evil all around him. The biggest example is when he sees the Drake, who's the crime lord of Hope City. The Drake and his sons, Ivan and Slick, are chasing down the Drake's brother, Logan, and they behead him in a unique way involving a manhole cover. But the hobo does what he can in the town, primarily befriending a prostitute named Abby and protecting her from Ivan and Slick's attacks. But the hobo snaps when he goes into a pawn shop to buy his lawnmower, and he's interrupted by masked robbers. Eschewing his lawnmower for, yes, a shotgun, the hobo goes on a vigilante killing spree. It becomes war between the Drake and the Hobo. Ivan and Slick even burn a school bus full of children to piss off the Hobo, and the Drake calls out to the public, offering a reward to anyone who can bring the Hobo to him. The city turns into a mob, hunting the Hobo, and only with help from Abby does he escape. In her apartment, they're attacked by Ivan and Slick, but the Hobo blows Slick's dick off, killing him. Pissed, the Drake calls on the Plague, a pair of, what, warriors? Demons? Demons. Armored sorcerers? called Rip and Grinder. I think, honestly, the director went over to Rob Zombie's set and brought back a couple things. <laughs> the plague succeed in capturing the hobo and taking him to the Drake, and the Drake plans for a public execution. But Abby gives a rousing speech about how hobos aren't homeless, the streets are their home, and people trespass on their home streets, or some such intentionally stupid bullshit. And so she leads a mob against the Drake to save the hobo. She interrupts the execution, and a fight ensues. Ivan gets killed, and Abby gets her hand cut off in a lawnmower. But the hobo gets the upper hand, ready to kill Drake, when the corrupt police show up. The hobo shoots the Drake in the head anyway, and is gunned down by the police. But the town retaliates, killing all of the corrupt cops, theoretically ridding the town of its horrible crime problem, as credits roll. 
You're going to make a movie about hobos? Where to start? The train, of course. <laughs> I I do really like this opening sequence here. We have this credits that really, the retro vibe is heavy here. It really does feel like, yeah, Eli Roth or Rob Zombie or any of those other people that contributed to Grindhouse. Uh, it's the color. It's very saturated. Mm-hmm. Again, they're not going to scratch the film. They're not going to do anything else they've done in these other faux Grindhouse movies. But they really saturate the colors here. Yeah, they're setting you up here. You're supposed to think of peace and harmony because all of the other imagery, once he actually gets to this town, is going to be very garish and harsh and what have you. So we have this nice warm 70s. He said it was inspired by Billy Jack, which was a vigilante series from the 70s. Yeah, at first I thought maybe there was something up with my television. I just rented this off of iTunes and I was like, wow, the colors are so saturated and so neon. Is it me? So I'm glad to hear that you guys, this was an intentional artistic choice and not my TV screwing up. Yeah, it's shot in Technicolor. Yep. And it really was. But yeah, I knew this movie was called Hobo with a Shotgun. I expected a drifter and I expected him to have a shotgun, but... I didn't really put together the thought of a hobo. I mean, who thinks of hobos anymore? Who calls anybody hobos? I think of hobos a lot. They have a a great history, codes. They go after child molesters. If you read about the history of hobos, hobos are totally different than any other kind of homeless person. See, and I just don't think a whole lot about them. But yet, if I were to think about them, I would think about 1940s, 50s, and yeah. 60s Great Depression cartoons where they carry a little knapsack with a colorful scarf tied on a stick over their shoulder. It's called a bindle. <laughs> you really do know your hobos. He does. I want to hear more about this. Oh, I know my. I've spent a lot of time on Wikipedia reading about hobos. I got lost one day reading about hobos on there. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of homeless around here, but there's not a lot of hobos. So seeing them on a train, it kind of brought back. Oh yeah, I guess hobos are known for riding the rails. And Rucker Hauer, he he looks kind of homeless these days. Yeah, when was the last time you've seen Rutger Hauer? I think he was in Munich. The last time I watched Blade Runner? <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, I, I would say it's been about six or seven years. They're obviously playing up that he's supposed to look haggard. He really does. Yeah. <laughs> he's really aged. He really no longer looks like the yeah, handsome replicant killer of 1982. His look allowed me to put Blade Runner completely out of my mind, which is very rare for him to be able to do for me. And I would have a really hard time thinking when I saw him last. I saw him in Munich. I don't remember. I'm guessing Batman Begins is probably the last thing I remember him in. Oh, Oh, right. That's right. Same year, I think, or around the same time. Yes, he did have a little bit of a resurgence. But he's, yeah, an actor that I, I never really saw that much of. I guess he may have a connection here. Wasn't he in Sin City, which was Rodriguez, which was Grindhouse, which is Hobo? He was in Sin City? Was yeah. he in Sin City? Yeah, the first one. And that was same year as Batman Begins. So, yeah, I guess around 2005 he worked a lot. And what year did Hobo come out? Because he's had a rough five or seven years. <laughs> yeah, 2011. Yeah, they, they shot in 2010. So five, six years later. He really, really looks the parts is what I can say. I was He kind of reminded me of like latter-day Dennis Hopper or something, but I was never thinking Rucker Hauer. 
Yes, and and he's good. I actually will say, once we get into the character and, and all of the the quiet moments, the work that he has to do here, even though this is a very silly, over-the-top movie, I feel like he does good dramatic work here. It makes you wish you did see more often uh, him in movies that didn't involve hobos or shotguns. Yeah, no, he's real good. And, you know, we had the debate with Machete. Is that action? Is it comedy? I I feel like this is firmly like dark comedy here. But he brings, yeah, some real drama to it. Even when he's doing these real weird monologues about bears, he brings it. Yeah, I I agree. I, I, I think he's really good. He's a good choice. And I would have never... You know, you said, let's cast a hobo. I would have rattled off 200 names before I would ever come up with (laughs) Roger Howard. But, uh, yeah, he gets to town, and uh, it's shot in Nova Scotia, Scumtown, Fucktown, and they have several names for it. I always have a problem when we're supposed to be in a bad neighborhood, and the graffiti is so lame, though. Like, (laughs) do you notice the background graffiti is, like, people, like, spray-painted feces? I'm like, no. No, no one has ever done that. <laughs> I thought that was part of the joke is that they're using these clinical words. Is that the joke? Uh, that's how I took it. Okay. Maybe that's a joke. I don't know. I was like, huh. I, I thought maybe it was a language barrier thing. Like maybe these are French Canadians <laughs> on the set. They like, I think is a, how do you say feces? <laughs> I don't know. It, it, yeah. You don't think French speakers know how to say shit? <laughs> I don't know. It, it's a comical, debauched place where, the you know, the worst you can imagine is what is happening on every corner. And, you know, I really had forgotten about bum fights. But, yeah, yeah. the idea yeah. that there's going to be that exploitation guy that's going to pay somebody $10 so that they can get punched. I mean, eek. Yeah, I remember when that was kind of a thing, always kind of grotesque in that regard. And I mean, if bums are fighting on their own and you tape them, that's one thing. But if you're paying them $10 like a dog fight, that's something else. Yeah, no, it's it's dehumanizing here. And yeah, you just see a lot of, throughout the movie, I mean, I think the most memorable of the unexplored villains is Santa. You know, you got a Santa Claus driving by at some point with a small child in the back seat crying. I mean, that's kind of a risque joke, but, uh, you know, we get what that means. I feel like they go for it in this one, that they don't really hold back. Like, you have schoolgirl prostitutes, you have child molesters, there's going to be a lot of kids killed in this film. Like, they go full bore for this exploitation vibe. Exactly. I mean, that's what they're here to do. When I put this in, I mean, I knew the movie was called Hobo with a Shotgun, but I didn't know what to expect. A hobo with a shotgun? (laughs) I didn't know what the tone of the film would be. Would it be completely comedic? Like, kind of machete? Would it be badass? But when I'm watching this, I realize what they're doing here is they're going for that 70s exploitation. And the movies that kept coming to mind for me are I Spit on Your Grave and Last House on the Left. Those kind of really horrible things happen to somebody. And we watch, like, degradation occur for 45 to 50 minutes. And then we see them get their comeuppance through murder. And see, I I feel like it's more like a Western. I mean, it feels like stranger blows into town, man with no name. You can see the problems. The only weird thing is we only have one set of villains. Normally, in a Yojimbo or Fistful of Dollars scenario, he plays two sides so that they kill each other. Well, I guess if the hobo's going to get the shotgun, he's not going to do that. But yeah, we, we realize there is a big bad amongst all of this obvious depravity. The worst of the bunch is the Drake. 
And that's we know this because his his brother <laughs> comes running into the <laughs> shot wearing a manhole cover around his neck. And here I thought that was fashion or something. I wasn't quite sure what was going on. It's a very inventive kill. I'll give it that. Yeah, no, the the, the look of this film as we get into it, like the Drake, he looks like something out of that Dick Tracy film. I, yes. I looked at the actor. He's not really that ugly looking. They had to do some kind of prosthetics or something just to make him look so ghastly here. I haven't seen him in anything else. So for all I know, Rucker Howard's really a hobo these days and this guy's really a crazy psychopath. <laughs> And he's got these two sons that come riding in. I want to point out something I learned from the commentary. I didn't learn much. I got to say, two hours of bonus features, and it was mostly guys goofing off in the prop room. But that is not a DeLorean. That is a Bricklin. I wrote it down as a DeLorean, but it didn't look like one. It is not. It is what it was made in 1974. John DeLorean saw it, bought the rights to it, and made a DeLorean afterwards. But this this is the first one with the, you know, doors that open that way and all of that. This is a Canadian car, uh, a Bricklin is what it's called. And they wrecked it. <laughs> in this first <laughs> shot, they actually wrecked the vehicle and you'll never see it driving around for the rest of the movie. It's always parked after this but they they had one car and it was ruined i guess you made a time machine out of a bricklin doesn't have the same <laughs> ring to it yeah, yeah but nobody in america i it never caught on i mean not that delorean did but i think <laughs> it was a more famous flop at any rate and that car made me wonder is this a period piece is no. it supposed to be taking place in the 70s like when this movie type was more common oh i never had that thought we don't really get a sense of time. Like, Machete, he don't text, he don't tweet. That's modern times. We saw cell phones in Planet Terror and Death Proof. Like, those, they felt like 70s films, but they had technology from today. Yeah, this one, it feels a little more timeless. Like, it could be an 80s film or just maybe 70s. I mean, they hang out in an arcade. That's where the bad guys have their lairs. Yeah, it's got to at least be, yeah, you're right. It could be. It never occurred to me. I always just assumed it was modern day. They're using pay phones instead of cell phones. So that was a big give me. Yeah, they have a VHS. They have that VCR that they're filling the bum fights with. So it's not like a digital camera. The bum fight leads me to believe that it's a little, but he's shooting it on like, yeah, you're right. It's tape. So I don't know. And again, hobos are feel to me like things of the past. And this movie feels like a throwback to me. Yeah. So all told, yeah, the arcade, I could see this being very early 80s. And yeah, I also from this horribly dirty town get a feeling kind of like Repo Man or the Warriors or something out of this. And this first kill you get with Drake's brother, I mean, he goes after his own brother. He's got that manhole cover around his head. They like put him in the manhole. That's got a really strain your neck and then they're going to behead you yeah they got a barbed wire noose connected yeah. to their vehicle they pull it off um, the favorite detail of course is the woman that goes and, and does like a stripper dance in the spray of blood afterwards That's yeah drake always has like these topless women like dancing around as they beat people up or dance in blood it's a, one of the eccentricities of this film I just took it as part of this film. I mean, I knew what I was getting into Grindhouse when I came into this. And so seeing that, it neither thrilled me nor repulsed me. I'm just like, okay, we're doing that. It, it didn't repulse me. It felt like the one thing that goes a little bit too far. Like, I don't feel like I would see that in many Grindhouse films. Like, you'd see titties, but not uh, some woman jumping out to dance in someone's blood that sprays out of their neckle. 
Be that as it may, yes. Hobo knows he's in a bad place. You'd think he'd just turn around and get on the next train car, but he has dreams. Uh, what, what, what I like, and it takes a while to figure out what this is about, but that, yeah, he's eyeing this lawnmower in a pawn shop window. I think he's in town because we're going to find out he has a child or a relation or, or something that connects him to this place. But in fact, he just wants to start his own lawn care business. Yes. And <laughs> he's trying to just get enough money to pay for the $50 to get this starter up mower. All he needs is a little seed money. Yeah, you grow it, recut it. It seems like a weird place. If, if He should have gone to the suburbs if he wants to cut lawn. I don't know how many people in an urban setting have a lawn to mow. But that's also part of the fun is the idea that he's in a place where no grass grows and everything is so dead and just awful that, that he would start here. You know, it, it's part of the charm of the character that, okay, he's got to get enough money to get this. Yeah, I love he makes a sign, need money for lawnmower. Yeah, I wasn't sure if that was even true for a while, but he opens up once he meets Abby, who is, you know, the classic prostitute with a heart of gold. You always got to have a hooker that's really genuine and sweet inside, you know. They have this relationship that's not sexual. I don't think we're ever supposed to think that in any way either side is interested in the other. I I thought it might go there, though. I thought that, like, at some point... I saw where this movie was going. I thought at some point she might sleep with him as gratitude. Not that either is having a romantic interest, but sometimes I I thought she might just, you know, repay him, so to speak. But no. Interesting. See, I thought that they might have it be like his long lost daughter. Yeah, I thought that might be the reveal is because she talks about how she doesn't have any photos of family to put in this Mm -hmm. frame. She just has this empty frame. And I thought that's where it might go. Yeah, it's difficult to know. And who knows, in different versions of the script, you know, they had several years to develop this. It probably was one way and then another. And then it's it is what it is. But uh, yeah, he has one ally. And I think that helps unify why he stays here. She has a little bit of a spine. She ends up defending some druggy. There's a weird scene in a, I guess it's an arcade that Drake. Yeah, but there's bumper cars. They smash a guy's head. Yeah, the Drake runs or lives <laughs> in a um, indoor amusement park that they've turned into like a kill factory. And yes, people are being crushed by bumper cars and that mallet that you hit to show your strength. They're now like smashing people's feet. There's a plague video game. I I didn't even I saw ca- that catch it till later. But yeah, I I noticed that, and I'm like, that's not a real video game. The fact that I know my arcade so well <laughs> made me pay attention to that. So later on, when the plague came out, I'm like, did they make games? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you might want one now, but yeah, that was kind of a fun way to tease the bad guys of the later part of the movie. But uh, yeah, she's kind of hanging out there, and we have this. Yeah, character that's forced to snort cocaine. I I don't really know what's going on, but it just allows us to see that Abby is not pushed around, but like the rest of the town is, and Hobo respects and tries to protect her when Slick tries to take her away. Well, Slick knows she's wet because his dick's thirsty. Oh, God. Uh, the lines they put here make even me flinch. Really? Really? <laughs> I am cracking up. That is shocking. That's the most shocking thing that's going to be said in this podcast. I had to hem and haw with the smell of your asshole line at the start of this podcast. Wow. She's so hot, I'd eat the corn out of her shit? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, I, I guess I like the excess. I love how far they're going in this. I've been cracking up at all these lines. 
oh, I enjoy it, but it shocks me. That's saying something. You're hard to shock. That really is. I yeah. can't even believe it. Usually I feel like you could have a penis filleted in half on fire and you'd be like, eh, it's not that impressive. But <laughs> all right. Ideas are so much better than visuals. And this has some nasty ideas. Yeah, I'll agree, agree with that. I do find this movie more crude than funny. I mean, I, I laugh, but really not usually at the quote unquote jokes. The jokes are kind of like, eh, I, the, the ironies of the character situations are amusing to me much more than when they're trying to yeah, say the most vulgar based thing. Do you guys find though that a lot of time drags on before the hobo gets the shotgun? Like I felt there was a lot of repetitiveness going on and just, oh look, the town's bad. Oh look, the town's even worse because the hobo goes to the cops and then the cops throw him off a roof. I feel like, again, I've been saying these should be sub 90 minute films. This one is. It's what, like 86 minutes? Great runtime. I feel it moves pretty quick. When he goes to the cops, I mean, everything is expanding the story. You go to the cops. Oh, they're dirty. So he can't go there. He gets scum carved in his chest. And that's when Abby takes him in. And we're going to get some more development with Abby when he gives I just love that beer monologue like he's talking about himself like he once that bear gets a taste of flesh he's not gonna stop yeah and uh, the director said he said his concept for the movie was that this was the story about a bear trapped in a zoo that was that was how he kept pitching it to people and the bear was really important it came from the actor he used in the original trailer I mean that wasn't anything that any of the writer or the director came up with that whole bear obsession really came from their homeless friend who who has those preoccupations and it's not long I mean we see Hobo. He doesn't have a name. I'd never caught one. I think he just goes by Hobo. Yep. He soon decided to degrade himself after being rescued by Abby. He needs 50 bucks. Yeah, he needs 50 bucks to get that lawnmower, and he goes to the bum fights guy, breaks glass over his head, eats it to get that final seed money, as you called it, Arnie. (laughs) Yeah, I... Watching him eat glass, it was just kind of weird to me. I'm like, I thought he'd be upset and get revenge for having to eat glass later on. So the fact that he was seemingly... He does. Yeah, a little bit. But at this point, he doesn't feel he's really regretting it. It feels like he's playing along, like he's allowing himself to be degraded. Well, no, he is because he wants that money. But Whatever I... it takes to get his lawnmower business off the ground is what he's going to do in this moment. And I, I, I get to credit... Power, I really feel like what he's going through is he's eating that glass. Like, he can't believe he's dropped this low, but that's how important that lawnmower is to him. Yep. But yes, uh, is it too long to get to the pawn shop? They could have done it shorter, but then again, in these kinds of exploitation movies, they always drag a little at some point. I, I feel like that's in keeping with the spirit of the project. You just have repetition and yeah, you either love it or, or not. But uh, yeah, I'm ready for him to give us that action. He could buy that lawnmower or right next to it, <laughs> right next to the uh, <laughs> uh, Jesus statue and a lawnmower is a lo- fully loaded shotgun yes. that he decides to use when three guys in ski masks come in and take a woman and her baby hostage. Technically, two are in ski masks. One's in a witch mask. Yes. And because one of the ski masks was orange and kind of looks like a pumpkin, I was really getting silver shamrock flashbacks going on. <laughs> I think that that is the witch sh- silver shamrock. I actually had the same thought, Arnie. 
What's funny is I'm watching this with my wife, and she's like, why would they have a loaded shotgun in a pawn shop? I'm like, you don't ask those questions in this kind of movie, just because. Yeah, time for you to go to bed. Like, it is ridiculous. He never seems to have to reload, but again, there is that tension there. I feel like he finally turns and gets the shotgun because there's a baby involved, and those guys are going after that kid. He blows them away pretty quick. I almost expected a machete-like twist where we'd find out this hobo was ex-Special Forces, a Rambo <laughs> thing. He was a nom something. Well, that was what Hour wanted to do. And there is even a scene at one point when he goes to Abby. She's doing better in the hospital. He's giving her flowers. He also gave her his purple heart. And the director, you know, allowed him to do it, but was like, I'm not putting that in the movie. He didn't want Hobo to have a backstory, but Howard, in his mind, you know, when you're an actor, you always invent one, whether you get to tell your backstory or not. And his was that he was a non-vet. I'm siding with the director here. I like that he doesn't have a backstory besides he's a caged bear. Like, that he's a hobo that's had enough. Like, this guy... Has had a rough life, but even Scumtown is too rough for him, and he finally takes a stand. Yeah, and and getting good press. I mean, they. I, I, love, oh, I love the these headlines. Hobo stops begging, demands change. Yes, <laughs> that was that was that made me laugh out loud. Yeah. I wish real news media was that clever. They're that clever. I mean, that's really not that clever, but it's, it did make me laugh. I agree with you. But yeah, it, it starts to have an influence. I feel like they cheat here. They could spend more time of him getting this revenge. They could have, instead of it being reduced to montage, they could have him have these victory moments and inspiring people. But I just don't think they have the extras to have other supporting characters. They really only have Abby and the villains. Yeah, we see him knock off all the people that the movie is set up to get knocked off. The pimp shot, the Santa shot, the bum fights guy eats his tape in his shot. <laughs> that was kind of funny to see somebody eat VHS. And it pisses off Drake. It, it's ruining his business. Your business is debauchery and somebody's wanting to, you know, fight for justice. Yeah, you're going to fight back by being even more crude. First of all, they're using a human pinata. Yes. With a baseball bat covered in razor blades. Well, that's because when life gives you razor blades, make a baseball bat covered in razor blades. Meanwhile, they're like at a restaged mannequin last supper. It's, I don't know, there's a lot of interesting ideas happening at this arcade. Yeah, it's like a wax museum they're hanging out in now. I'm not sure, but basically, all that we really understand about our villain is that he has two sons, one that is big and dumb, and one that is Slick, and he thinks Slick has potential to be great. So he tells Slick, go out there and be as offensive as you can. I feel like this is really a, almost like a Dark Knight moment, where like he's trying to, you know, <laughs> inspire the town to become this mob mentality, and... We all know the scene, right? I mean, the director even said, this is the one that's going to get me in trouble. Like, their <laughs> idea about reclaiming the town is to get a flamethrower and go into a school bus. Uh, at least they're playing appropriate music, Disco Inferno. Yeah. yeah. Out of two boomboxes. I didn't know where this was going. I honestly didn't expect him to torch the kids, though. I thought maybe he was taking hostages or rallying the kids burning them. I wouldn't say it got him in trouble, but I'll say that I could see why it got him in trouble with the hobo. What's more shocking to me than just torching the kids is, you know, Ivan, I guess he's into ice skating because this is Canada. He 
kills the newscaster with his ice skate, mm-hmm. and they're saying, hey, you got to go after the hobos, or we're going to keep killing your kids, and they, they pull out the skull of the kid. Like, I feel that's even more shocking than just torching that bus. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it goes there. Uh, you know, we mentioned this in Grindhouse, and I think several times, but yeah, you're easily offended, don't see this movie. I mean, you want to encourage this behavior if you're going to watch a movie like this, because otherwise, what is the point? So, yes, it is fun to see a war being waged here, almost a media war in which, yeah, one guy is trying to kill the Santa pedophile to reclaim and clean up the town. And the others are going to insist, no, we are terrible people here and you cannot make us be good. You cannot get rid of all the bad. One throws a Molotov cocktail into a dumpster with a homeless woman and her child. <laughs> yeah, they win. I really don't Forget think... about Tarantino's dripping dick in Planet Terror. This film really goes for it. Yeah. I don't know. It becomes so much noise. They're doing so much of it that I failed to be shocked after a bit. It was really getting repetitive to me. The fact that their way of taking it out on the hobo is to kill those around them... I don't know, it was like, is the hobo Superman and he can't stand seeing Zod torture the people on the bus? It's No, I think I think it's the two sides. The people that live there are killing the hobos and the hobos are killing the people that live there, basically. It is sort of like a two-wage war, but, I, but like I said, usually the formula is you don't like either side, you just like the man in the middle. Yeah, here because they're all being manipulated by... Drake, you're siding with the homeless. They're the victims here. Yeah. And I feel like the hobo and Abby, their instinct is to go on the run. Abby's trying to pack the TV. No TV, just the essentials. And so, yeah, they're going to go on the run. Just the bear photo. (laughs) Yes, just the bear photo. Yeah. When hobo left, he put a bear photo into that empty frame. So she's taking that. But Ivan and Slick show up and attack him. Yeah, more skating attacks here. We got the big guy with... Uh, that really is bad for ice skates. I don't know, Arnie, if you watch this with Marjorie. She she might have been upset by that scene, watching Ivan there walking the skates. She she did, actually. She did. She said something about that to me at the time. I was like, <laughs> okay, so yeah, I, I guess she's not the only one who noticed. I kind of figured that might be a little obscure to bring up. <laughs> Yeah, you don't want to skate on those again. You're at least not without, I guess, sharpening and polishing. But you guys aren't getting a little tired of this by this point. You guys aren't, like, waiting for Act 3 to kick in because I could tell really early on how this was going to go. Act 1 was going to be this crime-ridden town and the hobo gets pushed too far. Act 2 was going to be the hobo going to war against the city. And then Act 3 is where we finally start to get some kind of resolution. It feels to me like... This is just holding its notes a little longer than I want it to. And I'm I'm not invested in the hobo as a character. I'm not invested in Abby as a character. I'm supposed to be, I think. I'm intrigued is the word I'll use by the ultraviolence. It's amusing at times, but there's so much of it that I'm really becoming desensitized mid-movie. I'm enjoying it. I don't feel that lag like you do, Arnie. I, I like how over the top this is. Yeah. When they're cutting Abby's neck, I'm like, oh, she's dead. This is it. But she's going to get saved. I don't feel like an exploitation film. You're looking for creative plots. It's how crazy can you go? How big can you go? And this film's succeeding at that. Yeah, you have a guy get sticks his ice skate into a toaster, fries half his body, and all he's mad about is that it made him ejaculate. Does that really work? 
Why was he upset that he ejaculated? Was he saving it for something? Maybe he was tantric. <laughs> but it's that kind of movie. You know what I mean? And and that's my job, Arnie. You're taking my job. I'm the one that's supposed to say, <laughs> oh, this is getting too old. This is kind of funny at first, but why is it going on too long? It's a new year. Let's reverse roles. Well, no, I mean, I'm kind of with you, but it sounds like it's a bigger problem for you. And you're the guy that loved Machete. How is this that the first one more of a one note movie than that movie was? I think Rucker Howard doesn't have the charisma here. No, of- no, he come on. That's he leaves Danny true. Trejo in the dust. I disagree. Do not be blinded into this. Trejo is a, an amazing actor thing. Rucker is a much better actor and is better in this part and has more to do. I'm, it's not even about being a better actor. The character is a more nuanced than Machete was ever intended to be. I think Rucker Hauer is giving a good performance, but by being a hobo, that is a role that has no charisma. Intentionally so. He brings the charisma to it, though. He takes Abby to the hospital to get her neck fixed, and he I love that speech he gives to the newborns as they start to cry. I mean, he really brings it in this film. Like, yeah, that's in the trailer. Not the original trailer, but when they sold this movie... This is how they sold it, and and that is the best scene in the film, when he goes to the nursery. Yeah, nothing's going to top his monologue from Blade Runner, but this is up there for him. Yeah, he really does great, and and it's filmed well, and yeah, the whole thing, that is um, the moment you really connect with him. And I love how it gets escalated here. Slick's dead, his dick's been blown off by the hobo. Weird death, too. I want to point out, didn't it feel weird to you that the school bus comes back to take him to hell? Does that imply all those kids went to hell? I guess if Mother Teresa's finger banging people in hell. I was thinking the kids were just there to torment him. Not like it was actually the kids' souls, but that he would forever. Was it like Ghost and they were the demons to drag him down? Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't extrapolate that they belonged in hell. I just think that it was poetic justice. Those that he burned have come back for him. But, But that was strange. In a movie, as crazy as this movie is, I never felt like it stepped out into supernatural. But... I guess we are going there now. We're going supernatural right now. Yeah. I guess they should portend the plague. Yeah, Drake finds out Slick is dead, so he calls in Rip and Grinder, the plague, who, from what I can tell, they live in, what, some kind of castle or something. They're demons. They I, I Are they demons? I, I, I have no idea what's happening they're called when they demons. show up. I know yeah. they're called demons, but I didn't know if they were really from hell, but they're fighting like this tentacle monster right out of some kind of anime porn. Yeah, and they've got these pictures of Jesus and the Easter Bunny, of Joan of Arc, all crossed off. Abe Lincoln, like, they're the ones who've been assassinating all these figureheads. Here's what the director says about them, that he wanted to take this from a 70s exploitation into an 80s exploitation. He was thinking about pro wrestling. He was thinking about He-Man, believe it or not. We're going to be covering Masters (laughs) of the Universe next. But he was thinking about not necessarily the movie, but just those kinds of over-the-top creations and, and characters. And yeah, I just think that he wanted to take this bigger, you know. And so it definitely does. I feel like the movie really ups its game. I've never been worried about Hobo against Drake, but against these two, this is formidable. I do feel like there's a fight. I love their entrance at that hospital where like they put the noose around the, the nurse's necks and then shoot those grappling guns up into the ceiling so they're hung. Like the, the lights flickering, it's all going red. I, I'm excited at this point. 
I'm confused at this point. It really feels like I changed channels. What movie am I watching now with the plague and their tentacle monster? Every time they show up, I really feel like it's just so out of the blue, so random. I couldn't have been more weirded out if E.T. landed in the middle of the notebook. I don't know what that means. That would be weird. I'll give you that, but I haven't seen the notebook. I like that. Yeah, I, I feel like they energize and innervate this moment that all of a sudden I'm really, if it was starting to feel one note, it suddenly has become fresh again by their arrival. Yeah, it's, it is the best action scene, watching all those people being hung in the hallway with the emergency lights coming on. All of that stuff is good. Yeah, that they drag them away in a coffin they, they have tied to yes. their motorcycles. That tentacle monster, I guess the director said he just saw it as a their pet. That their way of playing with their pets is to, like, stab it. This one is not working for me. The plague does not work for me. I liked a lot of what was going on with the Drake and Slick and Otis and the Hobo. But the plague, I think I'd like them in a different movie. Again, I go back to Repo Man, but it's just too weird of a change. I'm glad you mentioned the director saying he wanted to go from 70s to 80s. That's great. Maybe he should have saved it for the sequel. No, no, this is helping the movie. This is only helping a movie find footing. What would they do if they didn't have the plague, Arnie? I mean, what could they do with this premise? I mean, it needed to have a pushback. We needed to believe that somebody could hurt Hobo after Slick is dead and Ivan is halfway burned. I just don't believe that anything we've seen, as, as debauched as it's been, could hit back until I see these two. And now I know that, yeah, that this is awesome. This will be a crazy villain to fight. Yeah, and now we get a reason for Abby to go full Ash and make this hatchet shotgun. She takes the shotgun because Hobo's been taken. She goes to the pawn shop. She sawed off shotgun with a hatchet on one side. She gets that lawnmower, makes like a shield blade out of it. This is her time to power up. I, I feel like I'm in the arcade game now. Yeah, and they have a Rambo moment, you know, the, the montage of her becoming the superheroine she's going to be. She has snap bracelets. Remember that shit? Yes, yes. <laughs> I thought that was a really funny joke of like, oh yeah, on top of all of this other stuff. I thought the snap bracelets came from the 90s. They weren't quite 80s, but I went with it. Yeah, no, I, I think the director came from the 90s. I think he's a little bit young, so his frame of reference may be a little hazy. He's not an 80s kid. But now Hobo is in the same predicament as Drake's brother was. He's in the glory hole. He's got that manhole lid over him. And Abby shows up, though. She takes out Grinder, one of the plague. I kind of wish we got to see what was in there. Or was it just smoke that floats off if it really was a demon? We see her attack that armor and the armor fly off, but we never find out what's inside. Yeah, the, the the director did not want you to see what was underneath. She gets an offer for a job, though. Now it's her job. Yes. Because he, she took out that one. There's always this. Why they've been able to kill since Abraham Lincoln and Jesus is because that there's always replacements coming in. It's not that these are the same people. It's they trade in and out. I thought this was fun. But, uh, you know, they ran out of money is what happened here. This was supposed to be a much bigger ending than what they could do. Uh, they were, it was supposed to end in dirt bikes. She was supposed to be oh. chained to a bed, being dragged around. They had a friend who had like a dirt bike area and they were going to have a shopping cart that was motorized and it was going to be hobo <laughs> pushing a shopping cart and it sounded crazy i mean i think it would have been mad max kind of fun but they just they didn't have the money when all was said and done so 
they dropped that. Yeah, I didn't feel a lack of money in this. I'll say that. I didn't think that this ending looked cheap. They had what they needed. Yeah. But that, I can't say I wouldn't mind it of seeing her strapped to a bed being dragged across a you know mud puddle while a guy in a electric shopping cart chases after her. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted more of the plague, and that was kind of a letdown. Abby kills Grinder. She frees Hobo. Her speech... That speech is something god-awful, and I think it's intentionally (laughs) god-awful. Yes. But that is something that was just like, wow. Yes, the idea that she wants to make people realize that, you know, we're in the homeless people's home now, and to give them respect, it it is, yes, tongue-in-cheek. She is clearly, as much as, yeah, you mentioned Ash, I think that clearly had to be an influence here, as she's, you know, she even loses a hand, you know, once she gets into the fight, uh, that hand uh, gets put into the mower, and yeah, God knows if they had a sequel, she would probably have a lawnmower on that hand. (laughs) But she does stab the drake with her bloody stump. Yep. But that's not the end of him. Hobo's gonna finish him off. He's still alive, crawling away. And I love that. Like, he pulls out that shotgun, and Abby doesn't want him to shoot him because all the cops finally show up, and they're going to shoot Hobo. He's like, you know, you're coming with me to hell, and you're riding shotgun. Yeah, it ends, you know, uh, if he had no money left, it was nice just to see him go out in a blaze of glory. Where every, It seems like everyone got killed, right? I mean, we don't really know what happened. And that feels like a lot of exploitation films I've seen. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen Disco Godfather where it just ends or Suburbia where it just like someone dies and the movie just ends. Yeah. Yeah, you end on the shotgun. Bam, 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 bam. Everyone seems dead. And we get a hilarious 80s theme song. I thought they wrote it for this movie. No, this was just lying around. Somebody wrote it for an 80s cartoon. And they were like, yeah, let's use this run with us or whatever. It's perfect. I mean, it just really does say, well, yeah, we're the music by and large has kind of been Carpenter inspired. But as we get to the end here, it feels like. Total Eclipse of the Heart, or yeah, I, I don't know what, but it, it, definitely an '80s vibe. I kind of like the song at the end. Yeah, it was it was kind of fun. But Jacob Stewart, do you recommend Hobo with a Shotgun? Jacob, yeah, out of all these Grindhouse films, the Machete films and Death Proof and Planet Terror, this one outgrinds them all. For me, this is the best. Uh, if you look at all of this as one series, this is the best one here. This is the one that I think everyone should watch because it really runs with that grindhouse theme where it wants to offend you, where it wants to sicken you, and it wants to push boundaries. And it's also just crazy. Like, there is no shortage of ideas. They might not all coalesce for you. Like, the plague just come out of nowhere. But I love just how the ideas escalate and expand. And for me, a lot of, almost every line here is quotable. I'm laughing during this. I'm loving how offensive it is. This is a strong recommend for me. Stuart. I can't say strong, but yeah, definitely. If if you like Grindhouse movies, I can't imagine why you wouldn't like it. I mean, it, it is very much in keeping of the spirit and the style of, yes, movies from the 70s, 80s, and these retro-minded movies that Rodriguez and Tarantino and Rob Zombie all make. I mean, I, I feel like the amateur, the one that got in here from the contest proves he can run with the big boys. Is this my favorite of all of them? I don't know. I'll put it this way. I feel like he goes toe-to-toe with anything that Rodriguez had. I'll say that much. I feel like this is as 
solid as Machete and better than Machete Kills and Planet Terror. You know, I had a bigger budget and they could do more things, but it was a one-joke movie. I, I feel like this is a one-joke movie. What makes it special for me is Rutger Hauer. I do think if you had a lesser actor, the actor, for example, that was in the original trailer, I don't think this would be nearly the same experience. Because Rutger Hauer is committed to this part, it does feel like it it really does have more of an impact than a lot of these kind of one-joke grindhouse Sharknado kind of movies. So, yeah, it's a recommend. Not a high one, but uh, yeah. If you, if you like this kind of stuff, you'll like this movie. And I find myself largely ambivalent about this film. I think it is better than Machete Kills, I think it's not as fun as Machete. I kind of put it on par with the Grindhouse films, but if you've heard our review of that, you know where I stand on those. My problem is I still just see this, yeah, as a 70s exploitation film. And I like 70s exploitation films. I like I Spit on Your Grave for what it is. I like Last House on the Left. These kinds of movies are fun to me. But what makes them fun is that they weren't tongue-in-cheek. They were being made because that's what they had the money to do. It's what their inclination was to make. And they're very honest when they make those films. You know, it's not like they were trying to make camp when they made those movies. Here, I feel Hobo is tongue-in-cheek recreation of that. And yeah, it is intentional camp. And so if you want intentional camp remakes of exploitation films, this is very competent at that. But I don't know that I want it. I don't know that I have as much fun when they're sharknadoing this type of film that I have when it was unintentionally this way, you know? Well, let me ask you just, if I can briefly, so Machete works for you more because it did work as an action movie then? Yes. All right. I guess I will give this a green arrow because I would recommend it to people who want to see modern day ironic grindhouse films. It does that very well. I don't think it's as good as a Eli Roth kind of movie because those are bringing a modern sensibility and bring a new flavor to it. They feel like more updated films. This, it's exactly what it is, and it's nothing more. So I guess I'm going to give this the green arrow, even if I don't really have much attachment to this film. I think others might, but you know what you're getting into. If this isn't your kind of movie, obviously don't watch it. It is my kind of movie, but I just, I don't think I liked the tongue in the cheek quite as much as it went. And the Rucker Hauer performance was very good, but I was never completely enamored with it. Maybe you just don't want to hang out with hobos. (laughs) You're fine with machete assassins, but if they're actually just hobos, maybe it's a little gross. No, it's not that I'm against the homeless. Machete gets better women. Hobo, he never bends that Canadian hooker. Yeah, but she was she was an attractive hooker. I mean, it's uh, that's that has nothing to do with it. It was just my ability to enjoy where the film was going and the more extreme it got in the third act the more checked out i was but i can see where people would get off on this shit so i i will recommend it but i won't watch it again yeah and there's no need for a sequel we can all agree one joke movie yeah no no more of this the director hasn't done much else he, he contributed to vhs 
VHS 2, I should say. He did a slumber party alien abduction thing that was, he was kind of, you know, he was, it wasn't very deep either. I'm not sure he's full of lots of ideas, but he has some good technical tricks and, you know, it works for what it is. But uh, I'm not sure what you do after you make something like this. I, I don't know what the encore is. The Plague versus Jesus, you could do a prequel, 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 go way back to zero AD. Actually, yes. You could bring the Plague back. You could do a spin-off. You can't bring back the hobo or or pick up where they left this movie off. I don't know. They probably could. Oh, the hobo wasn't as dead as we thought. No, they could. I don't want them to. Yeah, I don't want that. Yes. There's nowhere to go with that. So where do we go now that we're done with these Grindhouse films? By the power of Grayskull... We go to Masters of the Universe. <laughs> oh, we're, we're, we're staying in, in cheap and dirty films. Okay. Yes. Dolph Lundgren's Masters of the Universe. This was a pick by one of our Kickstarter pledges. They got to pick a movie for us to do a full review on. We have two of them coming up. Next week is the first pick, Masters of the Universe. And then the week after that, Princess Mononoke. I'm excited about one of those. Me too. <laughs> But I bet we're picking different ones. I bet we are. And in the meantime, all of our fall 2015 donation podcasts have been released. And we are watching the clock tick until these shows go in the vault. We could really use some listener support here. And if you can, head to nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate. You can get up to 20 bonus movie reviews. Several Quentin Tarantino ones, as well as Hunger Games and Battle Royale. Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2 will be hitting video before you know it. And if you haven't seen it, but you think you want to hear our reviews when that comes out on video, you have to donate now because after January 31st, they will no longer be available. They're not making any more Hunger Games films, so I don't see us making them available again. So Jacob Stewart, thank you both for joining me. We'll see you next time, and don't forget to watch your neck. A long time ago, I was one of you. They're all brand new and perfect. No mistakes, no regrets. People look at you and think of how wonderful your future will be. They want you to be something special, like a, a doctor or a lawyer. Maybe clean up like me, a hobo with a shotgun. Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing, and we hope you've enjoyed the show. Spare some change. Don't forget, if you want to hear our review of the original Grindhouse, you only have till January 31st, 2016. That double feature review, as well as 19 other movie reviews, are available as a thank you to supporters of Now Playing. Hey, yo! Want to get in on this? Come on. Ten dollars. Ten dollars. Come on. You can get reviews of all the Quentin Tarantino films, Hunger Game films, Battle Royale films, plus True Romance, From Dusk Till Dawn, Four Rooms, and Natural Born Killers. Find details on how to get all those podcasts by clicking the banner at the top of our homepage, nowplayingpodcast.com. You got money to spend? Nothing frightens me. Your support is what keeps Now Playing operating. You earned your money today. Yeah. 
You can also get reviews of 125 more movies in the first now-playing podcast book, Underrated Movies We Recommend. You can pre-order the book, ebook, and audiobook now at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash book. All pre-orders are autographed by all four authors. This isn't the only place grass grows. Are you serious? Yeah. In the archives at nowplayingpodcast.com, you can hear reviews of hundreds of movies such as Rambo, The Transporter, The Avengers films, Batman, Superman, The James Bond movies, The Mission Impossible series, and more. You can't solve all the world's problems with a shotgun. It's all I know. And come back to nowplayingpodcast.com each week for another new movie review podcast. Summon the plague. While at nowplayingpodcast.com, be sure to join our forums where you can discuss this review with other listeners. Welcome to Fucktown! <laughs> you can also follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where the hosts post new episode announcements and written movie reviews. The link to our social media pages can be found at nowplayingpodcast.com. When life gives you razor blades, you make a baseball bat covered in razor blades. Now playing is edited by Arnie. I'll get on back to work. Please don't. Now playing credit narration by Brock. Do you fucking see me? Do you fucking hear me? Do you fucking feel me? Now playing is not affiliated with the producers of these motion pictures. All movies discussed on Now Playing are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This place The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts, and may not reflect the opinion of Inganza Media Incorporated. You're pretty sick, you know that. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2016, all rights reserved, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. <laughs> well, thanks for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. Who knows? Maybe next time one of you will be our lucky contestant. Go the fuck home, everybody! And don't forget to wash your dicks! <laughs> but the hobo blows sticks dick off. Sticks. But but the hobo blows slicks. <laughs> <laughs> That's even worse. <laughs> Shoots. <laughs> Slick's dick is shut off. How about that? I'm going to try it one more time the way I wrote it, and then I'll change it. <clears throat> but the hobo blows... Sh- <laughs> All right. <laughs> hobo blows Slick's dick. Slick's dicks. He's trying to just get enough money to pay for the $50 to get this... Starter up mower. All he needs is a little seed money. Yes. Get indeed. it? Seed lawn. Do you want to laugh? I get or, it. <laughs> you know, I mean. I'm not asking you to laugh. I'm just making sure my <laughs> pun did not go unnoticed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, okay. Good job. <laughs>